While esports is still an emerging area, it's a space that is growing in popularity and becoming very lucrative. One such player in the space is Adamus Esports, which recently acquired Belfast firm G-Science. Ryan Scollin is the Managing Director for Adamus Esports in Europe, and he joins us now to tell us more. Ryan, before we discuss Adamus Esports, I'd like to get an insight into your own background. Hi, Carl. Thanks for having me. Certainly. So, my background is in sport and exercise science, and I studied at Loughborough University, which is one of the top unis in the world for sports-related subjects. After graduating from Loughborough, I started my own business. First step of that was going to the Ignite NI Tech Accelerator up in Belfast, which really gave me the kind of fundamental tools to be able to understand what it takes to start a startup. And G-Science was that startup idea. So G-Science was a health and performance coaching business that focused on providing esports performance coaching to the world's best esports athletes and teams. And over a four-year period, I led G-Science from startup to acquisition um, by adding that. And Ryan, I'd like to get an insight into the area of esports. So esports is a form of competitive video games. Now, I, I want you to think about kind of traditional sports where you have professional footballers and they're getting paid to you know, represent a team and, and play at the elite level. In esports, we're starting to see something very similar. Instead of sports, we have esports, and you have esports such as League of Legends, you have FIFA, you have Call of Duty, you have Dota 2, and you have CSGO. They're just some of the different esports that are available on the global stage where people are now making millions of dollars playing at the elite level. And before we discuss the business itself, you spoke to us about taking part in the Ignite NI Accelerator programme. Many startup entrepreneurs that engage in accelerators such as the Ignite NI programme often find that they pivot their business. So when you went in there as a startup entrepreneur with G-Science, did it have that impact on you? Yeah, look, I think it's a funny one, Carl, because even, you know, going back four years ago, I really knew nothing. And not that I know much more now, but it's definitely been a steep <laughs> learning curve. And I think that, you know, throughout the journey, I was very, very lucky. Like, I had amazing mentors within Ignite and I, one of them mentors being Ian Brown. There was Chris McKellen and Tristan Watson. All three of them in, in their own right are incredibly successful entrepreneurs and really bring different perspectives which always challenges your perspective and how you've seen things and what your roadmap was for your business. I think early days as an entrepreneur, you really want to ask the questions that are going to kill your business. I know that sounds silly, but what I mean by that is you want to validate, do you actually have a good idea here and is it a feasible business? And I think for me, and if I'm being very honest, I wasted a lot of time chasing shiny objects. In reality, the 101 should be, is there a problem? Yes or no? If there is, do you have the skill sets and knowledge to solve it? If yes, yes, great. Can you go speak to customers and validate that? Yes. And are they going to pay you money for it? Yes. If you can do that in a simple couple of steps there, then you may be on to something. And I think for me personally, it took a while to get that clarity about, you know, what we were actually doing. So early days, how we kind of kick-started that was by going out and actually working with gamers. You know, we went out and worked with some amateur teams to validate that we could actually improve the health and performance of gamers through coaching. Once we validated that, we stepped up and went to the semi-pro teams and then finally got a lucky break with a professional team. And that was really our way of kind of proving that coaching does improve the health and performance of gamers. And then finally, it's trying to get them to pay for it, which is always the hard part in esports. Um, but yes, yeah, so we had to pivot and try out different models and different kind of value propositions to finally 
find something that worked and allowed us to scale the consultancy business. And I mentioned that your company, G-Science, was then acquired recently by Adamus Esports. How did that happen? Yeah, it's an interesting one and it's, 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 a, it's an interesting journey, to be honest, Carl. Like, I mean, over the last four years, as I said, we started off with health and performance coaching and really from 2018 to 2020, that was the kind of tough year where we were doing a lot of work for free, trying to build insights, build a reputation, and prove you know that we were the best in what we what we did in our in our industry. At the same time, though, we have a competitor in Canada called Adimas, and Caleb Cousins, who's the CEO there. Caleb and I are actually very very good friends, and over that four year period, you know, we check in every month with each other and just kind of discuss how we were getting on and uh, what we were seeing in the industry. But it was interesting because Caleb stayed true and he focused on building a consultancy business and he's done very, very well. And they are now the leaders after having acquired G-Science. But what we decided to do was we decided to pivot. And you mentioned that earlier, being influenced probably by being on a technology accelerator, I was always interested in building products. So after we validated the coaching side of the business, we also seen that there were opportunities with data. So we actually wanted to build the stats sports of the esports, but remove GPS data, of course, Carl, so not run the bite in the pitch. And replace <laughs> that with cognitive data. Uh, and we were really trying to build a system that enabled gamers to better understand when it was time to push and when it was time to kind of ease off and recover. Um, but one of the big things that we learned in the industry was that it was a wee bit too early. You know, right now, just getting gamers to sleep and move and eat properly are probably the basics, never mind kind of complex data and insights. I don't think we're quite there yet. So, unfortunately, we spent a year prototyping that and trying to focus on building our tech and, and realized that wasn't the way. And then we also spent a year looking at a move-to-earn app, um, which is quite interesting. And I think that's what piqued the interest of Adimas was that we had a unique skill set in products and tech and had insights and industry knowledge that they didn't have, but they'd already built a very solid uh, consultancy business. And given some of the partnerships that we have with Prodigy Agency, who represent 130 of the world's best esports athletes based out in Europe, and also some of the other players and, and content creators that we are working with, I think we, Caleb and I, sat down and just realized that it was a good time to merge the businesses together. And that's where the acquisition came from. So what is the Adamus Esports service offering? Adamus Esports is the industry leader in health and performance coaching. So what that actually means is that we work with some of the world's best esports teams like TSM and New York Subliners, and we provide their organization with performance coaching. So that's everything from psychology, nutrition, sleep, ergonomics, recovery for the players to coaching where we're helping upskill the coaches. One of the things in esports is that coaches tend to be ex-players, and just because you have game knowledge doesn't necessarily mean you're a good coach. We work with a lot of coaches in developing their leadership and communication skills. And then finally as well, we look at the whole organization as a whole. Typically what you see in esports is a lot of different silos. The players are siloed, the coaching and management staff are siloed, and then the actual business and operation staff are also siloed. So what that means is that a lot of the time these organizations are very inefficient and don't really communicate very well with each other. So we work with building high-performance cultures and environments and really help them three silos come together to work as one unit. So there are three of the different offerings from kind of the bog-standard health and performance coaching, which is our bread-and-butter business, the coach-the-coach model, and then also working with organization leaders and building high-performance cultures. And then I suppose Carl Weichmann to it is what's very exciting is about what's happening for the future. You know, we, we want to diversify our products and service offerings. So I come in with my kind of technical and product background, 
Um, hopefully by the end of the year here we'll be able to announce what our plans are for our technologies for 2023 moving forward. And of course, esports is a hot space. There's a massive amount of venture capital funding has been pouring into esports organisations in recent years. What are the challenges facing them as a result? Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. Look, esports, don't get me wrong, looks very sexy from the outside. <laughs> Unless you're working in the industry, you don't really understand the inner workings. The big thing for esports entrepreneurs is that they're selling a vision of that the heyday will come. And I think there are metrics, growth metrics in particular, that are kind of giving them the foundation to be able to, you know, justify some of these investments. And I think what we're seeing is there is huge viewership numbers. And I'm talking about like 450 million people are watching uh, are watching um, esports. Uh, you've got, I think it's like 260 million of them are esports enthusiasts. You know, people are very, very passionate about this space. And then you also look at the likes of kind of Twitch and YouTube as well, which is massively influenced or massively part integrated into the gaming culture. So there is a lot of viewership, which tends to draw in a lot of sponsorship dollars as well. But one of the big challenges that esports teams have is actually achieving profitability. And if you actually look at some of the recent earnings reports, like they're all losing millions and millions of points. And the reason for that is that gamers like everything for free. <laughs> and they're so used to free-to-play models of games. And they don't really want to fork out for anything. And I think where the opportunity is, is if you can increase the average revenue per, per viewer, um, that's where you can really make up the multi-billion kind of dollar opportunity there in esports. But I think it's going to take time to come. So you see the opportunity in increasing the dollar value per viewer as opposed to turning the free-to-play model into a subscription-based model? Yeah, I definitely think so. Like, I mean, if you look at the... We look at this fundamentally, right? In order to get people to pay for something, you need to be adding value. And one of the big things that I think that a lot of um, kind of game... That's that we take esports as a whole... You need to understand gamers, right? You need to be authentic and you need to understand what value you're creating. If you don't have the authenticity and you're not creating value, then gamers aren't going to pay for anything. If you look at, for example, subscription-based models for apps, let's take one in my space, health and fitness, you know, typically they're aiming for somewhere between 1% and 5%, um, and the industry average being about 2.5% to, to, to have a premium subscription model business. I don't necessarily think that's the way. I think there's other ways in which you can monetize gamers, Obviously, one of the biggest ones we call is in-app spend or in-game items. Like, I think out of the 100, and I think out of, what was it, Epic did $1.8 billion in in, uh, in revenue. And a large percentage of that is through their in-app or in-game uh, skin acquisitions and, and uh, character acquisitions. So, yeah, I think, I think there's still big gap there and I think the way in which uh, esports needs to broach that is by finding new revenue models and new experiences and new ways to create value for the esports audience. We've seen this happen in games such as Roblox and Minecraft where the revenue has just gone through the roof in recent years. Have any of the esports organisations managed to crack that market? Well this where it gets a bit more complicated. I mean in esports and gaming, if you look at it, where the money flows, right? Show me the money is the, is the famous quote. Um, the game publisher pretty much holds all, all the power because they own the IP. And even for esports to run, as in like tournaments to run, they've got to use that IP or pay something for that IP, such as the franchise leagues, in order to actually, you know, complete that tournament. 
I don't think the esports orgs themselves will ever be able to do in-app purchases. They may be able to do some sort of unique activation where they get a revenue share on that, you know, such as bringing like a fanatic skin in game, which is typically what happens in games like Call of Duty or Halo when they have the championships. They'll have like a unique kind of in-game skin that you can pay for. And, and the same with content creators as well. There are certain content creators that get a percentage revenue of any item bought in-game. But in terms of the orgs themselves, like, you know, orgs typically make a lot of their money through sponsorship dollars. So that's currently what they're doing. They're, they're bringing in sponsors to um, advertise to their gaming community. But I think they've got to look for new ways to monetize. Like you've seen with Guild, for example, they tested out a model where they, where they tried to use Eva Beckham's name and build out an academy. That unfortunately hasn't really worked. Um, you look at Fnatic. Fnatic have started building out their own hardware, which I think is a really interesting way to go. Um, and another big thing that they typically do is um, like jerseys and merchandise, such as 100 Thieves, 100 Thieves and FaZe Clan. FaZe Clan have actually just recently IPO'd. They typically would use a lot of content creators and influencers to drive merchandise sales. So there's all these different kind of revenue streams that they're testing out and trying, but I still don't feel like we found a healthy and sustainable base yet for these esports organizations because they're spending 70 to 80% off their budget on player salaries, which are starting to go through the roof right now. And I don't think they can really justify that at this stage, given the fact that the expenses are still so high from an esports organization side. So I think there definitely will be a resetting of such of the economics of esports coming very soon. And of course, one area that we haven't touched upon yet is data. It's a valuable commodity today. Is there an opportunity in the esports area with that in mind? Oh, here, Carl. I mean, data, data is the new oil that's been selling for a while now. And there is a, there's a reason why the fine companies are the most valuable companies in the world. Um, yeah, look, data, it's a really interesting space, to be honest with you, because and this is just me speaking from a sports point of view, right? If you look at a company like Statsport, they can only collect data on an athlete maybe for, let's say, two hours, four hours a day, depending on how long that athlete's on a pitch for with their GPS data and their health and wellness data. But for a gamer, for example, these guys are playing, playing for anywhere between 8 and 12 hours a day. So from a sports science point of view, you've got the opportunity to do 8 to 12 hours of data collection, which is super exciting. So you can collect a rich amount of data um, from health and health and performance perspectives. But then also you look at in-game data. Like all you need to do is tap into one of the gaming APIs um, and you can get you know your kills, your stats, your KD, whatever other metric it is. Obviously, for each esports call, there's going to be different key metrics and in-game data points that you want to collect. But yes, going back to your initial question, there is incredible opportunities to do valuable things with the data there. And for a lot of these big game publishers, they openly give their access to this data, sometimes not in real time, though. Um, there's usually a time delay on that data, but it allows other companies and startups, for example, like myself, to come in and use that data and start creating new kind of layers of value for the wider gaming community. So, Ryan, what are the growth plans for Adimus Esports over the coming years? Good question, Carl. Good question. Look, it's, it's a really exciting space right now. I suppose for us, what we're focusing on um, right now is becoming the leader in health and performance coaching uh, worldwide. And we are there now, but we really want to solidify our dominance uh, in the industry and pick up a few more kind of tier one teams and also look to provide our health and performance coaching services to kind of content creators as well. I also mentioned the coach the coach model. I think there's an incredible opportunity there to um, really push that across the industry. And then finally, another space that is very interesting is the collegiate thing. 
Now, one of the big things is in esports that there's never really been a clear pathway to Peru. It's been very, very fragmented. But recently, Riot Games has just announced its plans for Valorant, which is one of the esports, and they're starting to support a grassroots, the kind of pro pathway. Now, one of the things that we're very interested in is how can we kind of support on the talent identification side and also support on the educational side as well. Kind of imagine what happens in, in North America, Carl, with the kind of collegiate scene and how you have that NFL combine and pathway to pro there. We want to try to recreate something similar to that in esports and provide that health and performance angle to these colleges and high schools and academies and elite teams. So we're particularly interested in providing educational content to you know these types of bodies who want to build esports programs. And uh, yeah, and then finally, from a technical point of view, as I said, hopefully here in the next couple of months, we'll be able to announce what our plans are for tech. And then at that stage, we'll have a very nice, well-balanced business in terms of our core consultancy business and also our technology plans. It's an exciting space, no doubt about that. Ryan, final question for you this morning. If anyone is listening to the show and is excited by the whole area of esports and would like to start a business in that area, what advice have you got for them? That's a good question. I think esports is an interesting industry um, where you really need to have connections. And it is, in a weird way, it is a very small industry. So what I would recommend is you've got to go out there and you've just got to put the door somewhere. Um, how, I, how actually I started off call was I went on LinkedIn and found like 10 leaders in the esports space and sent them messages and one of them got back to me. And that one person actually opened up a lot of doors, which really gave me my start in the industry. So what I'd say is you've just got to be hungry. You've got to go out there. You've got to try to provide value. Um, be willing to work very hard and do your research. You know, really do your research in the space. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Ryan Scollin from Adamus Esports, and I'd like to thank Ryan for sharing an insight into this fascinating world with us this morning. We're almost at closing time here now at Business Matters, but before we go, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank my production team, my guests for their contribution, and especially you as always for listening. Join me again next Saturday morning when we'll hear more from the world of business, but until then, have a great week.